to the book of Judges. We're going to try to finish up our series on the Judges of the Old Testament, and we're still on uh, Samson. Judges chapter 16 this evening. Judges chapter 16. And I've entitled this message this evening, There is Hope for the Fallen. There's Hope for the Fallen. Judges 16, let's begin reading there at verse 21. And the Philistines, now they remember Delilah, last time we were together, I'll just kind of back up a little bit. In our study of Samson, we've, we remember we've looked at a man who was much less than he should have been. And than he could have been. And he uh, came into this world. He was born of a promise from God and uh, that he would be a Nazarite set apart for the glory of God, and that he would be a deliverer for the nation of Israel, judge of Israel. And uh, Judges chapter 13, we can see that clearly. And then, then can, uh, there can be little doubt here at all that the Lord used Samson. That's true. Uh, but his service to the Lord it was hampered. And what hampered his service, what will hamper our service, is sin. And um, see, Samson had a weakness for wicked women. Uh, that was his problem. That, that desire for the, uh, the, the illicit sexual relationships, it continued to hinder Samson's ministry, his usefulness for the Lord. Eventually, it cost him everything cost him his freedom, it cost him his ministry, his life. And now the last time we were together in Judges 16, verse 4, we saw a man who had been deceived. And that's where we're going to pick it up after this. Delilah kept whining and begging to find out what, what was the source of Samson's strength. And she tricked Samson into revealing the source of his strength. And his strength was um, not his own. His strength did not come from his hair. His strength came from the Lord. And Samson's uh, power, it really was related to the vows, his Nazarite vows. And so his hair symbolized that vow. And when he allowed Delilah, he told Delilah the, the source of his strength, and he allowed her to cut his hair, he showed contempt for his vows that he had made to the Lord. And as a result, the Lord uh, removed his hand from Samson's life allowed him to be captured. And that's where we are here now in verse 21. He's been captured by the Philistines, and the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza, and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house, howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered together for, to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their god, and to rejoice, for they said, our God had delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad, that held him by the hand, suffer me that I may feel the pillars where upon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. 
And Samson called unto the, the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, of the one with right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death was more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol uh, in the burying place of Manoah, his father, and he judged Israel 20 years. Our Father, we do ask now as we look into this passage that you would teach us, help us to learn from this passage and uh, to see what we ought to do and ought not to do as a believer. And so may your will be done in our hearts this evening. For it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so the Philistines, they, they uh, captured him, they put out his eyes, they take him back uh, to uh, their, their home and, and they tie him up, they, they have him uh, grinding uh, in the prison and that was the, really the, the job of a slave, a, a particularly a slave woman. And so this is very humiliating, the Philistines uh, did all this to him and uh, thankfully, it doesn't end here. Uh, it does not conclude with Samson being bound by his enemies and, and in such defeat. So the, really, this passage that we read tonight records the restoration of a hero. Samson had such potential, but he kept messing up, kept being tripped up by sin that he allowed in his life. And so... But these verses remind us that no matter how far we may fall or fail, how we may mess up, no matter what happens in our life, that God wants to bring us back, wants to use us, and still has a plan for us. And so that should be encouraging to every child of God tonight. We all fail, and sometimes like Samson, we fail big time. Uh, but we, we all fail the Lord from time to time, no question about it, and maybe there are some times when we fail in spectacular fashion. But we see this in the lives of, uh, of other men and women in the Bible. Think about those heroes in um, Hebrews chapter 11. You know, that, that faith, uh, the hall of the faithful, as some have, have called it, Hebrews 11. It could accurately be called the hall of the failures as well because every one of them failed. Uh, but... But, but there's a difference here. They didn't stay down, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But think about Abraham. He lacked the faith in God to believe God's promises to take care of him when he went down into Egypt where he lied about his wife. Uh, Sarah, what did she do? Well, she laughed. She laughed at God and mocked his promise. Uh, Isaac lied about his wife. Is it any wonder? Moses committed murder, tried to cover it up. Joshua full of pride and failed to pray and seek the Lord's will and went up against Ai and was defeated and many Israelites were killed. Rahab, be, before she was saved, was a prostitute. And so the successful Christian is not one who never fails, but is one, a, a person who when they fail, they get back up and they go after the Lord. They do his will. 
And so don't think that you're disqualified from serving God or from doing what he wants you to do if you fail. We've all failed, even these great individuals I just read about. But uh, the, the real uh, key is what we do when we fail. Do we repent? Do we go back to God and, and do his will? That uh, we can do. That's the amazing thing. God still, if we're alive, God's not done with us. God wants to use us. And so the successful Christian is an individual who accepts God's remedy for sin and who reaches up to God and, uh, uh, for cleansing and forgiveness and um, when, when they do fail because we all will fail from time to time. And so that's what I believe these verses are all about here tonight. So let's look at these a little closer. First of all, um, point number one in my outline is there is hope. You and I, as a Christian, there is always hope. If God is involved in, in our life, and he is, then there's always hope, no matter what the situation may be. Look at verse 22. Uh, it says, How be it the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. And so we see signs of restoration here. His hair began to grow again. After time, it says, hair began to grow back. Um, remember, again, I remind you, his hair was a symbol uh, of his vows that he made to God as a Nazarite. Samson's power did not come from his hair. Samson's power came from God. And so the regrowth of his hair was symbolic of his own heart being restored to a right fellowship with God. Um, he, he was being, that restoration to the, to the um, I was going to say relationship, well, that's true. He, his relationship never really changed, but the fellowship definitely did. And uh, that he had enjoyed with the Lord. Now this was being restored. He was blind. He was imprisoned. He was doing the work that should have been way beneath him. And, uh, but yet, God had not forgotten him. And God has promised he will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never forget us. And so then we see the purpose of this restoration. Uh, the regrowth of his hair was a, a, a picture of, a, a, of the truth that God was not finished with Samson yet. And the grace of God allowed Samson to live long enough uh, for his hair to grow back for his, and, and, and to know that God was not finished with him was able to use him there at the end. So, what can we take from that? Well, God has a plan for us. Even when we blow it, when we fail, God has not changed his mind, but he still wants to take us and use us and help us even um, after failure. Now, the timing of the restoration here, it says that his hair grew back, but it, was a, it says in time. It was a slow process. I was reading somewhere they said uh, the hair... The growth rate of, a, of human hair is about one-eighth of an inch per week. So that would translate into about six inches per year. And so to grow hair down to the waist would be about six years, uh, estimated. So uh, we don't know how long his hair was, but we know time had passed. And so Samson was in the process of restoration. And that's what we, we learned from that. And it was, it was for a period of a very long time. His return did not come overnight. Isn't it amazing? It was overnight when he made that bad decision to tell Delilah about where his power came from. She cut his hair. 
instantly he lost his power. God removed himself from Samson as far as his power and, and uh, Samson was taken and imprisoned. It all happened immediately. But it took a lot of time for that restoration to take place. And so if you, if you have sin, um, and this is some things to consider about restoration. If you have sinned, you failed the Lord, especially in a very grievous way, then um, you cannot expect to be restored back to service, back to where you were overnight. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, it, it, restoration is possible, but it will happen gradually. And you cannot expect it to uh, happen overnight. Uh, then you can be forgiven of sin in an instant, but restoration is going to take some time. And sometimes it takes a lot of time, in fact. Uh, it takes time to earn back the trust of other people that you have maybe hurt, broken that trust with. And uh, sin takes a tremendous toll on all of the people within the orbit of that individual. It's not, you know, people all the time say, well, I'm just doing, I'm, I'm not hurting anybody. It's my life. I'll do what I want. But no, sin does affect all of those people within our, our uh, uh Fear, and so we de definitely need to keep that in mind. It takes some time to rebuild that trust. Uh, it takes time for the pain, the, that, that distrust that uh, is affected by sin. And then huge failures in our lives are not the result of, of a, a sudden fall. Um, though it happened over just instantly, as far as his uh, fall and, and his being blind and losing his power, but it didn't happen instantly as far as his sin, his going back into that, that mess. And he uh, uh, willingly took one step at a time over a period of time, a culmination of a long period, bad decisions of disobedience. It takes time to replace bad habits with good ones. It takes time to change the way the mind thinks. And so it takes time to change the way that we live. It takes time to earn back the trust. Again, I, I go back to that, of people that we have wounded by our failures and our mistakes. It's not impossible, though. It's just, just know that it's, it takes time. And so if you know someone in this situation, here's what a lot of times happens. They want to give up. They want to throw up their hands and say, I, I, I messed up. I, and, of course, the devil's going to tell them, you, you have gone too far. There's no coming back. There's no hope. But there is hope with God. And even Samson uh, uh, found that out. So while sin may be forgiven, here's another point, it may be forgiven. And while the sinner may be right, made right with God, forgiveness does not cancel the consequences of our sin. We all know this. There are consequences to our, our sin. I think Brother Morris, if I remember right, you mentioned that in Sunday school. And uh, uh, so... Yes, you're forgiven, but that does not cancel the consequences. There are uh, definite consequences to our decision. Samson's hair grew back, but he was still bound. He was still blind, and he was still there in prison grinding the grain. Sin leaves a terrible mark on the lives of the guilty. And the scars of sin... Well, yeah, they can be physical, no doubt about it. They could be emotional, mental, or spiritual. The scars sin leaves behind may never 
fully be healed. Yes, we can find forgiveness. Can you imagine um, someone that's committed murder? Can they find forgiveness? Sure, they can. But, boy, that's a scar that's going to be with them the rest of their life, thinking that they took someone's life. Or even a young lady who's been talked into giving, uh, having an abortion. And, uh, boy, I know that a lot of times those young ladies are just tormented with guilt. Thank God that they can find forgiveness. But, boy, I don't, you know, it's going to be some scars are with them, maybe even for life, uh, emotionally, and just thinking about that. So while relationships with God and other people may be restored, the, uh, the reminders of sin honestly may haunt us the rest of our lives. So that's what, uh, what happens when, uh, when we disobey. Uh, think about the regret, uh, the guilt, the loss of peace. Um, and that, that may stalk that guilty individual until they depart from this world. It's, it's, it's a truth. Uh, it may be the case. Now, it, uh, again, we can find forgiveness. We can get to the place where even God will use us. But there are some, particularly some sins, that's just going to be hard to just erase. You can't do it. The consequences are always going to be there. So we must ever remember that sin brings with it consequences. Yes, you and I have a right to make whatever decision we want. But we have no right, nor do we have any authority to decide what consequences we're going to have, have to endure. Those consequences may follow us to the grave. That's how serious it is. What does it say in Galatians chapter 6? Um, that um, you know, you'll, you'll reap, you will reap what you sow. And so Proverbs, listen to Proverbs 13, 15. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Boy, and it, all we need to do is look at someone who's into drugs and alcohol, even um, cigarettes for many years, how it destroys the body. It's hard. Uh, a, a young person seems to age so quickly uh, that is deep into sin. So we may be forced to live out our lives asking, what in the world was I thinking? Uh, why did I do that? Uh, so those are are just some of the consequences of, of sin. I'm sure Samson, as he was blind, as he was bound, as he was grinding that grain like some slave, I'm sure that was on his mind. Why? What was wrong with me? I had everything going for me. I had more advantage than most in, in, this, in the world, and yet I threw it all away. But while there, there was restoration, I want you also to know that there was a limitations to Samson's service. It's possible for us to commit some sin that's going to limit our ability, our, our service in the local church. Um, it ought to disqualify us, or it could, uh, from holding certain positions in the church. Now, I know a lot of people have changed, you know, they kind of ignore certain passages of Scripture, but according to the Bible, that's true. And uh, I, I believe as a pastor, a pastor should be um, not divorced. Uh, now, I know pastors that are. I'm not going to criticize them, attack them. That's, that's their business, the church's business. 
And I, I, I know one individual, I love him to death. He's a great man, a great preacher. Um, but I, I don't agree with that part. But the church decided to do that. They, they wanted, and he's, you know, so that's, that's, uh, that's between them and the Lord. But nonetheless, I think, according to the Bible, that it, there are certain things that will disqualify us from certain positions. Um, you know, so this, this passage challenges us here to avoid sin, to stay away from it, to, um, and at all costs, to do whatever we have to do to avoid the sin. Whatever steps are necessary to avoid committing sin must be utilized. God it will definitely help his people. Uh, that uh, he has saved, that he has brought along, he will help us to live for him and to do what is right. He will help us in the hour of temptation. Remember he said there's no temptation that has taken man that is such as co is common to man. Uh, there's no, there, he's made a way for us to escape and uh, that temptation. He will help us protect our testimonies. He will help us protect our reputations so that he is glorified and uh, that we can remain useful for him. Now, I was kidding about uh, Cooper, but I talk to Cooper. I talk to kids like that all the time, and I tell them, you know, your reputation at school is important. Uh, if you have a, a reputation, you, you know, because you know how kids are. They always complain, oh, that teacher's mean. And or this, this, you know, they talk about them like that. And I said, well, you know, it would be a, a, a whole different world for you if you had a different reputation. You gain a reputation in, as a child in school. Uh, parents, or I mean teachers say, oh, well, there's that guy. He's nothing but trouble. And they prepare already. They have that in mind. I, I was kidding him. I said, Cooper, you probably get off the bus. And they said, go to the office. You might as well go right now. And, um, but uh, there are kids like that. And they, they kind of think it's funny. And they laugh at it. I said, no, that's, that's a serious thing. As a Christian, you are to be a testimony. And whether you're a child or an adult, that matters not. We belong to the Lord. And it's a poor testimony. Uh, I was talking to some here about how, you know, there are all these different, um, I don't know what they call them, like the ADHD and all the other things. What is that called? The, the problems that kids have. Those are real. But I, I think that it's not something that was just invented recently. This, these are things that have, people have dealt with in the past. But I think that a lot of times that kids are told this so much that they're told, well, you'll never be able to succeed because you have this. You'll never be able to behave because you have this. I have kids tell me all the time, well, I have this ADHD, so I can't help it but be this way. And that's a sad uh, place where we're at with that. But uh, yes, whatever our problem is, we may have some handicap, maybe physical, maybe emotional, but we can, with God's help, overcome it and... Uh, uh, there are people who are great successes who couldn't even, who did have those problems. So, nonetheless, as a Christian, we have a responsibility, and God will help us. He'll help protect our reputations, protect our testimonies. He is glorified, uh, and and uh, by our by our walk with Him, by our obedience to Him, and if we, and we'll remain useful to Him. So the passage also reminds us that there is restoration for the fallen. Yeah, we may blow it, but there is a way out. There is always hope with God. 1 John 1, 9, you all know that verse. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 28, 13, 
He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Aren't you glad tonight that there's forgiveness in the Lord? That, um, man, we may blow it, but God will forgive us. God can use us. Now, we should never have the attitude, well, I know I can just go ahead and do this and get forgiveness later. Uh, something's definitely wrong spiritually if that's the case. But you can know that if you fail, if you uh, uh, are forsaken by the world and, and told by the world that you are of no use anymore because of your failure, that there's always hope with God. He'll always come uh, forgive. Um, listen to this verse, Jeremiah 33, verse 8. I, love, I think it's verse 3 where it says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show unto thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But in verse 8 it says, And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. Now this is God speaking about us, our sin against him. He's going to cleanse us even though we sinned against him. We, we uh, disobeyed him. We broke his heart. And he's going to uh, uh, cleanse us. And I will pardon all their iniquities. Praise God. I love that little three-letter word, all. Many times it's used in the scripture. Uh, talking about all who can come to the Lord. But, uh, but here, all of their iniquities, all of their sins, he was, will pardon. Whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. So sin carries a, a devastatingly high price, no question about it, but there is hope for the fallen. And, uh, you know, I mentioned that, uh, I think it was this morning, but a guy may be in prison for committing murder, and a Gideon may come by and hand him a Bible. Oh, that's, I forgot to mention that. Wilma, you said, was it Tuesday? that uh, they had the jail ministry, and, and she used Brother Tim's message outline from the night before. Um, and I, was that the one that five things God cannot do? And uh, there were six ladies there, and two of them trusted Christ as their Savior. So praise God for that. And, and so, yes, they may be, have done something horrible, something wrong, something that they find themselves in, in uh, a maximum prison. And yet, they get that Bible, and they read it, and God can get a hold of their heart. Yeah, they may deserve the electric chair, but if they get saved, you know, that's the amazing thing. God can even forgive them of that. They're going to heaven. So they may go to the electric chair or whatever form of, uh, if the state still has any death penalty, but they are not going to be facing the second death. They will be in heaven. What a wonderful, forgiving God we serve. So there will be consequences, though. This is the thing that we need to remember. When we engage in sin, uh, there's a price to pay, and the price uh, is the consequences right here and now in our lives, not just our, our, our self, but our families, our church, our community, uh, in the eyes of the world around us. Our testimony is ruined, but there is hope in Christ. I remember... Um, so many testimonies that I've heard. I, I remember a, a testimony, boy, I tell you, it really got a hold of my heart. This lady down in Chattanooga, she uh, testified in front of the entire church how she had um, had an abortion and how God just really got a hold of her heart and she was, um, uh, but how, how she found forgiveness 
He said, I'll never get over the fact that I had my child put to death. But uh, it, was, it was a powerful testimony. Then another testimony of a young lady who had been, she had gone, lived through an abortion. So she had scars all over her body. And, um, but she survived. And they, they uh, brought her back. And so uh, what a, a powerful testimony that is. But my point is, there is hope in Christ. Uh, we often talk about how we are against abortion and that it is murder, and it's true. I am against it. But those young ladies, many of them have been deceived. They've been lied to, and they're young. Um, they're, they are uh, incapable many times of even making the right decision because they're afraid, uh, so much pressure on them, and um, they need to know that God will forgive them even if they've made a bad decision, that they don't have to have that holding uh, held over their head the rest of their lives. And so there is hope in Christ. Sin, as a Christian, sin does not have the rule in our life. It doesn't have to unless we allow it. There is a place of repentance. There's a place of forgiveness. There is a place that we can find restoration in God. There, you know, there is a God in heaven who loves us in spite of our sins. He will cleanse us. He will forgive us. He will restore us. And that is if we will come to him. Uh, that, that's the key. Let me ask tonight as we close in prayer in just a second here, are you saved? I know tonight we're looking, you're a small crowd, uh, but you never know. And uh, are, you, are you born again? Are you as close as you should be to God? That's another good question for the Christian. Are you, are you as close as you used to be? as a Christian? Was there a time in your life where you were uh, more passionate for God than you are tonight? That you were closer to him than you are tonight? Are you facing a time, uh, maybe right now, you're going through a time of testing, maybe some temptation, and has God uh, been speaking to your heart? I want to encourage you to respond. If there's needs, I, I encourage you, you know, use this altar. You don't have to confess anything to this preacher, but do business with God tonight. Let him have his way. Let's pray together.